Are you ready for the Unleashed Tour, where shamelessness, sexiness, and laughter collide in a hilarious orgy of fun, discovery, and sex edutainment? Embark on a captivating nationwide journey with the Shameless Sex Podcast and an electrifying ensemble of sex educators and sex-positive entertainers as they bring you an unforgettably titillating live experience. Be a part of mesmerizing, entertaining, boundary-pushing acts, shameless sex style. Ever heard of the Slurpee stick shift? Want to learn how to bury your face in her? How about some dirty talk improv or brat taming 101? Hmm. Get ready for nonstop laughter as our charismatic hosts and entertainers weave humor into the fabric of this liberating celebration of sexual diversity and freedom. Engage in interactive segments, Q&A sessions, and a chance to connect with like-minded individuals in an inclusive and empowering environment. Listen up, Portland, Chicago, Seattle, we're coming to you. For more information and to get your tickets right now, go to shamelesssex.com and be part of a night that will be fun, educational, sexy, hilarious, and shamelessly unforgettable. Seats are filling up fast, so don't miss out on the most unforgettable show of the year. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by hotmovies.com. Try out some ethical paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at hotmovies.com and use the promo code MANHORE. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Manhor Podcast. What's up, all you harlots and whores, Jezebels and jizzmoppers? This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. This week on the show, we've got Jennifer Wright. Uh, she's a historian and an author, and she has a new book out called We Came First, which is relationship advice from uh, women of history. Oh, I'm so excited that we're going to get to nerd out on this episode. Ah, I love old shit. I love reading and talking about and theorizing about old shit and who was really sexy underneath all those fucking clothes. Before we get to this week's guest, Jennifer Wright, I want to talk with you briefly about Patreon. Specifically, my exclusive group chat of tight-knit fan whores, The Peep Show. The Peep Show is uh, this super cool community of whoreheads whose sole function <laughs> is to exchange nudes, gifts, and compliments. And on Mondays, they share a lot of memes, but I take off on Mondays. Uh, <laughs> and it lives on a messaging app called Telegram. Now, The Peep Show has been such a popular community that we used to have wait lists to get in, because apparently lots of you want to see each other naked. Well, since we moved the group away from Kick and its 50-person cap on group chats, the Peep Show will no longer need a waitlist. Yeah. So if you just want some affirmations on how your makeup looks that day, or you want to see hashtag all the dicks on Flagpole Friday, 
Consider joining my Patreon at the $10 level for access to this non-stop sex-positive group chat. You'll also receive other rewards like bonus episodes, a monthly thank you letter, and access to our secret Facebook group, The Champagne Room. So become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. It's a great way uh, to get extra content as well as support the pod. One more time, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And now it's time for the fan whore appreciation moment. Oh, yeah. One of those rewards for being a member at any level is you get a shout out here on the show. So right now I want to say a thank you to Joshua Stewart. Oui, oui. Voulez-vous something, something. How do you say uh, thank you for being a member in French, dude? I appreciate your presence. I want to say thank you to Michelle, another one of my Canadian whoreheads. And, uh, yo, Canada, good on you for representing. I think just like per capita, y'all are exceeding expectations. So uh, way to go, Michelle. And all of my Canadians, all my Canucks in the champagne room and the peep show. Ugh. I like to consider myself cultured because I, I interact with so many Canadians in a given day. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Gabby. Hey, Inslee for governor, right? We're keeping him in there, saving the world. He really is Captain Planet. He's just kind of aged out of the role a bit. And I want to give a shout out to uh, <laughs> my high school classmate, Sam Tobis. Hey, buddy. Thanks for being a member and supporting the show. You're good people. And so are all of my patrons and all of my members and all my listeners, but not as much as the patrons. (laughs) And hey, if you want to become a member and get your shout out, you know how to make it happen. Oh, I had so much fun with this week's guest, Jennifer Wright. Uh, She's got a new book out. It's called We Came First, Relationship Advice from Women Who Have Been There. Sophia, the intern, and I went to this beautiful apartment in downtown Brooklyn. It was like, a, it's a converted church. There's a gargoyle outside her front door. I'm like, sick. And then we go in and it's this incredibly artsy, big, high ceiling living room. She's got this, uh, this bookshelf. It goes nine shelves up and like five bookshelf lengths across. And she's got all of her books uh, sorted by color. It's incredible. It's beautiful. I don't know how she finds any of the books though. By the way, I'm going to post a picture of this like beautiful bookshelf uh, on my Instagram. So go check that out at Billy is Presida. Uh, we nerded out about um, old people fucking, but not like old in age, but more like, you know, people in the 18th century. Apparently, they were a horny bunch. Uh, let's put our dorky glasses on and chat with Jennifer Wright and about who came first. Hello, How- this is Jennifer Wright. Are you aware that the uh, the kids are really big on the Snapchat? Like the, we they love the TikTok, the TikTok too. <laughs> <laughs> they love the TikTok. No, uh, it's it's like so she did a little segment about like DM slides on campus, asking oh. college kids about like sliding into DMs. But apparently, it's you slide into Instagram DMs to obtain a Snapchat, and then you snap with each other until you get a phone number. Then uh. maybe through the texting, maybe you'll meet in person. Okay. This is what college hooking up is. (laughs) Why don't they just communicate through the original one? Would that not? No. Okay. Oh, news. But you can send nudes on any of the things. But Snapchat, you can delete them. Snapchat deletes them, right? Yeah. Yeah, but this, you can screenshot. Like, there's no, it's no foolproof measure. 
Um, if you can say so. then you know if they've screenshotted it. I just it gives assume you a if that if I sent a it. nude, it's been yeah. saved, screenshotted, oh, yeah. no, and um, thrown up on. No, uh, I can never run for president. <laughs> I have a million nudes out there. But that's um, the thing. It's like we're going to have a president who, who sent nudes. nudes. Yeah. It's going to – the whole Katie Hill thing enrages me. Me too. Like <laughs> let's pretend it wasn't revenge porn. <laughs> it shouldn't be a big deal. No. It's also – it was a tasteful photo. It's yeah. her brushing her hair. <laughs> if you could have, you couldn't have a more adorable nude. Oh yeah. Than her just sitting on a chair brushing her lover's yeah, hair. Yeah, like a very tasteful Victorian painting of a nude lady. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on the on the Katie Hill stitch? Oh, everybody I know has sent nudes. Hasn't everybody you know sent nudes? Yeah. Anyone under fifty has sent yeah. a nude. Um. Yes. I. I mean, I guess I could feel horribly guilty about that, but I was having sex with the people that I sent naked pictures to. Right. It was usually I was just like away on a trip. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as though those people weren't seeing me naked. Yeah. It feels like the only person who should be at fault in that situation is if somebody betrays your trust. Right. And immediately runs around being like a naked lady. I'm seeing her naked. And constantly <laughs> I'm not seeing anyone like... Uh... You know, any of the critics of Katie Hill, I'm not also seeing like, oh, yeah, but it's bad that he did that. Like, none of the GOP. It's terrible. That any he did GOP that. person who said something bad about Katie Hill, I never heard them also say something bad about the guy leaking it. I'm like, yeah. I mean, okay. And the only person who's at fault there is the guy leaking it. They mm -hmm. betrayed somebody's trust. Somebody tried to do a nice thing for them. I guarantee you that guy asked for nudes yeah. beforehand. And I was like, okay, fine. I trust you. I mean, I, are we supposed to get mad at the person who was trusting or the person yeah. who was a huge shit and betrayed somebody else's trust? And so at what point are we just going to all sit down and go like, okay, no one's getting fired over the existence of a nude since we're all on the same page that we've all done them. It just – it blows yeah. my mind. Look, so. the only thing that – And Kamala's definitely sent the nude. <laughs> of course she I'd has. I want to see him because she's kind of <laughs> – um, um, yeah, I'm, Tulsi, yeah. there's, it's just, you know, Let's Cory Booker. Everybody has sent nudes. Yeah, but there's a few of the candidates who I'm like, we don't need to see We those. don't know. But like, I mean, Beto, Cory, Tulsi, we all know yeah. who the hotties on that debate stage are. <laughs> you know, we all know who it is. The only thing that should be surprising about it is if you see a nude and find out that they have like a thousand swastikas tattooed all over their chest. It's like, oh no, case, Joe. Okay. Oh no, Joe And Joe's Biden. like, no, you don't understand. I was just trying to pass a bill. They said if you get these tattoos... You know, we'll send funding for this. To, to the farmlands. So, you know, I He's did like, what I'm I He's like, I'm a hero because I let them yeah. put this on me. Like that weird guy from S-Town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm sitting down right now with uh, author Jennifer Rice. She's the uh, the author of this new book, We Came First. Mm -hmm. uh, also another uh, cool book called It Ended Badly. Yes. Which is about the history's worst breakups. Yep. Which my father uh, would just be like, eh, I should be in that book. Oh. I had the worst breakups. Whole book, just me. All my breakups. I went on <laughs> a lot of talk radios with shot jocks who made it entirely about their ex-wives. Uh, and I mean, the, the breakups I wrote about ended in like wars or beheadings. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I that, think what's you your made death it count? fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thanks for chatting with me. Uh, I You shared what your next book's going to be and I almost don't want... I don't want to jump ahead too quickly, but I'm fascinated oh, by the it's topic. Fine. It's what I'm working on right now. Um, it's called Slay. It's about women who killed people <laughs> in history. So we're going from 
really just horrible psychopaths like Elizabeth Bathory, who Mm -hmm. supposedly killed 600 virgins and bathed in their blood, up until some real heroes of the modern age, like the Soviet night witches who shot down Nazi planes. Okay. So... We kind of work from worst to best. I'm still like pretty solidly in the terrible Lizzie Borden range right now. <laughs> I'm white women and murder fascinates me because you ask most like white ladies what podcast you listen to after they ask like what's a podcast. Mm-hmm. If they're not asking that, it's usually like, oh, this is my favorite murder. Yeah. Oh, the murder ones. Yeah. Oh, the murdery things. And I'm just like, oh, man, I think white women are just doing research. <laughs> I think uh, I think murder the patriarchy is not as much a metaphor as much as like real, and uh, I think we should all be scared. Yeah, well, and I think it's good that we're scared, mm-hmm. but like I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're all doing research on how to do it. Um, I mean, I'm also fascinated by sassy murder shows. Uh, um, I really, really enjoy them. I do feel like, in general, the topic is always like, "You're a woman, you might get murdered." <laughs> Here's how it <laughs> happened: a lady just like you went running, then yeah. she got murdered. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this book was uh, to flip that a little bit when uh, Trump talked about it being a scary time for men. I thought about how, as a woman, there is probably not a single day of my life where I haven't been frightened in some minor way. Like, where I've gone jogging by myself and realized, like, oh, I'm alone on a trail right now. I should take out my headphones and be aware of my surroundings. Or, you know, weaving your keys through your hand when you walk home late at night Mm. because somehow you're going to do ninja moves with the keys, I guess. So it was interesting for me to think about uh, what it was like to be a woman who was actually the scary person in uh-huh. that situation. Uh, what it is like to not be afraid, but to be fearsome. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I think it's really brave and noble. Um, quite often, it's just women have been given some modicum of power and abused it just as terribly as men ever right. did. Now, what if like the, the biggest purchasers of, of your next book are just going to be like men's rights activists uh. going... See, we told you. Oh. <laughs> what if you get the wrong fan base for that one? <laughs> I mean, I look, I, I am always worried that men's rights activists will come to my aid in any situation. They never need to. Um, so, so this book is relationship advice from uh, women in history. Yes. I'm a bit of a history buff myself, mm-hmm. so I was really fascinated that like all your books, um, even the ones that don't have to do with dating, we're all mm-hmm. like – finding historical examples of various things like you know the fashion book and then yeah. there's ended badly the disease so. one yeah. yeah so so what after you did it ended badly where did uh, it ended badly come from that's the breakup oh, ones. it ended badly it came from the fact that this feels like a sequel it does it does feel like a really natural sequel to that um it ended badly came a lot from the fact that uh, I was in, I was about 26 when I was writing it. So a lot of my friends were going through breakups all the time and everybody was doing terrible things. And I am a little bit of a history buff. Mm-hmm. So um, I was always reading stories about women in the past who behaved more terribly than they could possibly behave. I find it very comforting that Edith Wharton wrote 300 letters to a man that she dated for maybe two months <laughs> who mostly never replied to them. So if, if you texted your ex 30 times drunkenly, you're fine. Not as bad as Edith Wharton. You're she not ends alone. up in a castle on the French Riviera. She's fine. <laughs> 
Um, and, and, and so you found these, uh, these examples of just like terrible breakups and, Mm -hmm. and do, are you like tight? I have not gotten a chance to read them, Mm -hmm. but now that I know they exist, Mm -hmm. they're on my Amazon wishlist, everybody, which you can get, you know, buy for me at manropot.com slash thank you. (laughs) Um, what was like your favorite biggest breakup? Oh God. Well, my personal favorite is always Carolyn Lamb. Uh Just a, a beautiful, beautiful mess. Um, just truly let let her crazy be free mm-hmm. uh she dated lord byron um who was like the bad boy of literature of uh the 1800s lord byron is mostly famous for how many women he had sex with it's a lot the will chamberlain of his really day. yeah just yeah. plowing his way through europe but uh, <laughs> one of his most notable affairs was with carolyn lamb who was unhappily married and um their affair immediately turned as volatile as it possibly could um she dressed up in male clothing and said she was going to run away with him when he said no she threatened to kill herself and then after they broke up and her husband took her away to their country home to recuperate from the problems she was having, she chopped off all her pubic hair and sent it to him in a bag. Okay. And it's like, hey, we're, we're working clean down here. We're working smooth. <laughs> yeah, Come yeah. love me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, was, was pubic hair – because I knew – is pubic hair a thing – like, was shaving it, like, a hot thing back then? Shaving or? is always a hot thing. It's always There's been no a hot thing? no era where it's not a hot thing. It's always a hot thing. Uh, well, unless, but they even had, but they had the they fake... Merkins. Merkins, That's because yeah. of syphilis. Uh, <laughs> so, fun fact. Um, I was just impressed I knew what a Merkin was. Yeah, <laughs> one, of, one of the reasons that Merkins became popular, especially among prostitutes, was one of the signs of syphilis is that it makes all your hair fall out. So, if you look down there, you saw somebody with really patchy hair that looked kind of fucked up, you would probably say, oh, I'm, I'm not paying for this, you're syphilitic. Right. So, Merkins are a uh, disguise for I... syphilis. Fellas, who are all about like no bush no way yeah uh, proceed with caution yes um yes if you were in a society where you were worried about syphilis definitely having a merkin would be good but at the same time um john ruskin broke up with effie gray because he was an art critic and he'd never seen pubic hair on a statue and on their wedding night he was so horrified Mm. by effie gray who by the way gorgeous like teenaged effie gray one of the great beauties in history was so horrified that she had pubic hair that he told her that she was deformed nobody could ever want to have sex with her this was disgusting she had a condition and she doesn't know right uh so uh, poor effie gray um almost please don't tell me she killed herself she did over not her kill herself yeah. she did not kill herself <laughs> um she became very mentally unstable like she was severely depressed her husband said that he'd wait six years and try to have sex with her still gonna be repulsed so effie gray a normal person who presumably had a normal sex drive um was incredibly distressed until uh her husband had a young painter apprentice uh jonathan everett millay who was staying at the house who was very dapper um i just want everyone to know that uh jennifer's not holding note cards right now <laughs> with all these names she's pulling i'm just like what who where 
I spent a lot of time reading about these people. What, 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 uh, John Everett Millay shows up at the house, falls in love with Effie immediately, still gorgeous, like 24. Uh-huh. And uh, Effie tells him, like, you have to understand I have a condition. No man will ever want me. And he's like, we'll work through it. It'll yeah. be fine. He sees that she thinks that her condition is having pubic hair. He tells everyone that her husband is insane and she needs to get divorced immediately. Right. Um, one of the very rare divorces of the time, like a hugely expensive, hugely publicized divorce that um, she eventually was granted. And uh, she and uh, John Everett Millay got married and had a ton of children. And he wrote her a lot of letters about how he wanted to have sex with her constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so now what's the, so you've got, have you been reading like these, like, are all these letters published in books? Do you have to go like look them yeah, up somewhere? Uh, I, the library. <laughs> how are they writing about, like in these letters? Like how are they writing about sex in them? I because mean, obviously it's not a thing that was a, uh, I guess a subject we were supposed to speak about. No more candidly than you'd expect. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Queen Victoria is very clear that she loves fucking her husband. Um, no, people were having sex through all of history. I think people have a somewhat false notion about sexual mores because all we ever see is BBC dramas that, okay. um, you know, are playing more into a 1950s idea of morality mm. than what was necessarily like a 1780s idea of morality when young people were bundling in bed, which just meant sleeping in bed with a sheet separating them right, and that right. was going to stop them from having sex. It wasn't. It right. wasn't. So what was the actual moralities from, I guess, uh, how, how many, well, three, I mean, 200 years ago? Look, um, up until the 1840s, um, Pretty liberal. One third of the brides in New England um, up until about 1800 were pregnant when they got married. Mm. So uh, for most of history up until the urbanization of America, when it became a really big problem if you had children out of wedlock, sexual mores were pretty loose. If you're living on a farm mm. and uh, – you start not getting much to do. You, not much to do, and you start getting pregnant pretty early. That's great. You have another farmhand. Like by the time they're five, kids can start doing simple chores around the farm. Uh, you're just creating a labor supply. Mm. If you live in a city and you work at a factory, what's your child going to do? I mean, you can when they're like ten, you can start having them try to sell newspapers, but it's not going to work out great. Uh, they're just a really sunk cost for most of their life. Children are sunk costs. Children are are a deficit if you live in a city and not a farm. Yeah. um, They're a luxury and they should be treated that way. Wow. Wow. And was there anyone like when you were reading up on all these different people in history that like spoke to you the most? You were like, girl, I see you. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I I go back to Carolyn Lamb. She had a huge bonfire where um, she made all of her servants recite poetry about how much she hated Lord Byron while burning him in effigy. So uh, if and then she wrote a memoir about how he was literally the devil and uh, he was pulled into hell. Okay. Yeah. So. uh, So that was like one of your worst breakups? Well, yeah. Like if I really leaned in to if I was not hampered by a fear of seeming like someone's crazy ex uh-huh. i think all of us could go full carolyn lab just really have our girlfriends our over read yeah. like you know read his dumb facebook yeah, posts make, as we burn something make a statue of him and burn it yeah uh, yeah that's wild <laughs> 
So, so <laughs> what, what was your, so you've been with your, your hubby for five years, you oh, said, yeah. right? Yeah. So what was your dating life like in your, you know, early and mid twenties? Well, I mean, it was fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it was fine. I, I went out with mostly very good people. I'd say like 20% awful people. Um, other 80% like good people who weren't for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't have, um, Certainly, I did not have anywhere near as bad a dating life as I think some people have had. Sure. Uh, I didn't, like, move in with anyone and lose my rent-controlled apartment and then have them break up with me. Okay. So, <laughs> that sounds oddly specific. No. <laughs> not, not that I know some anyone that that happened friend of mine, to. Carol. I don't know. I'm just making up names. It is a names. random friend of mine. But... <laughs> um, do you have any bad breakups? Yes, of course I had bad breakups. Um, and I was definitely, okay, I definitely liked to pull a move when we were definitely going to break up, where I would shout, what if we just got married? Like, what if we did that? <laughs> um, Your move, buddy. Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely usually a situation of people being like, I don't feel like you're this into this. I don't feel like you're, you're really committed to this. And me being paralyzed with fear of being alone mm. and uh, realizing that I would have to go on first dates again, which is a nightmare. On, oh, the first. Ew. Oh, God. I sat oh. in a coffee shop like three days ago mm-hmm. and I just witnessed such a bad first oh, date God, just, to the point. What happened? Tell me about he's it. He's just lame. It's, it's, it's not bad like anything blew up. It was uh-huh. bad. And I'm like, how do neither y'all know how to be on a date? Because, <laughs> I mean, she's being a little timid, which I'll give her a benefit of doubt sure, of like socialization. Yeah. But he's just like. It's like watching cardboard. I'm like, or listening to cardboard talk. I was like, and he's talking nonstop. I just, when they left, I wanted to like rope it off as like a nuclear waste zone uh, for dating. It's like, no one go on a first date at this table. Yes. yes. It's still tainted by how boring and lame this guy was. He Um, told some like big story (laughs) and he was saying it. Cause you know, sometimes people like they got a story Mm kind of almost like I'm about, I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they bill it like it's going to be a story. Oh, you watch out. I got yeah. one for you. Uh-huh. Here we go. Let's rev up. Oh, yeah, they're now, ready. Now they tell this story that they've really amped up as a big thing, as a wild story. Mm-hmm. And and then it was him driving, and he was stuck behind a car that wasn't moving, and the car behind him was beeping at him. And he like was a little anxious about not being able to do anything about it. And the story ended with – and then the car moved, and then I got to go around, and it was fine. And I'm like, I just want to oh, murder man. your face, dude. Oh, I'm going to feel really bad if that guy's listening to this podcast. I'm sure you were just nervous. I'm sure you were nervous. But but she just sat there, and I could see how not interested she was yeah. in it. And I kept looking over, mm-hmm. but she kept seeing me look over. Mm-hmm. So I think the only thing that possibly saved this guy was that I possibly seemed creepier than him. <laughs> And she's like, this dude's so fucking boring, but that guy's creepy, and all of a sudden I feel like I'm safer with him. So I like to think I ensured maybe, maybe a have. second date. Yeah. But oh my oh God. God. I'm sorry. First dates are rough. Uh, do you get nervous on I them? Actually, no, I actually loved first dates, but only because I was very comfortable um, being enthusiastic about whatever people are into for exactly two hours. Yeah. Um, so I, 
I, I always got I do second happen dates. to have a timer right in front of yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm great as long as I don't exceed like three hours yeah. and then uh, my true self will come out. But yeah, people would always say things like, so I'm really into rock climbing. And I would be like, oh my God, rock climbing. I've wanted to do that my whole life. Where do you go? What's that even like? I bet it's beautiful. And then I'd go home and realize like, Jennifer, you don't own running shoes. Like, <laughs> if you wanted to do rock climbing, you 100% would have at least gone to a climbing wall by now. You were so animated. It's yeah. so fun. I can imagine like you were – I can see how enthusiastic you'd be on a, on a first date that if the cardboard guy had been on, yeah. I think you would have terrified him. I was like, wow, cars, right? What a situation sure. in New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell, tell me what changing your oil's like. I'm fascinated. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I am a really good first date. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, as soon as I would get home, I would realize like, oh, I don't. And then they'd be like, let's go rock climbing. Because of your enthusiasm. And I, they think they nailed oh, it. Oh, I ended up on so many terrible dates because I was just mindlessly enthusiastic about right. things that I could not possibly care less about. God, I went to a lot of baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were on the first date with your husband, like, what, did you... Were you still this, like, very just blindly enthusiastic? No, no weirdly, no. Uh, no. The story on the first date with my husband was, uh, first of all, we met at a friend's party. Okay. And um, we hit it off instantaneously. Just someone who I genuinely like all the same stuff with and find all the same stuff funny and the same people awful. So uh, we hit it Such off. Such a crucial part, by the way, the we find the same people awful. Isn't that great? Oh, <laughs> It's I not enough so, to have the same similar yeah. interests. You have to have some similar distances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so thank God we, we had that in common. And then I was told that another girl at the party had a very big crush on my husband and mm. I needed to leave. Uh, and, you know, I, I was dating people. That was fine. I wasn't looking for, I wasn't looking to marry this person immediately. So I left. Mm. Uh, my husband followed me. The girl who had a crush on him followed him. We all rode down into Manhattan together from Washington Heights. That was very awkward. Wow. And then after she got off, my husband said, so, okay, when can I take you out? And I said, you know, I, I think that other girl actually really has a crush on you. I, um, I think it would probably be nice if you went out with her. It seems like she's really, really into you. And I'm dating people. I'm not uh -huh. really looking for anything. So he did. So he said, all right, fine. I'll, I'll go out with her. But I'm. I'm coming back. Want to date you. I'm coming yeah. back around. Yeah. Um, so he went on one date with her, and uh, I, I kind of figured like it's not going to go well. She's like, too into rock climbing. She's it's too not going to work. Climbing. Honestly, yes. Like she seemed very sporty. Um, so uh, I thought, oh, that's going to go badly. And um, meanwhile, my future husband had been like texting me through the intervening time, and uh, then I happened to be having lunch with the friend who introduced us the night after they supposedly had their date mm -hmm. and i said hey you know i heard daniel went out with your friend um how how did that go and my friend leaned over and said oh my god it was amazing she told me they had the most beautiful night their pillow talk was fantastic like it was oh my god i think i think they're gonna be in a relationship and i thought oh 
I didn't see that happening so quickly. I thought he'd so have yeah. to circle back around. I, I was, was bluffing the I whole was time. Bluffing. <laughs> um, as he was saying that, I got a text from him saying, "Like, all right, went out on a date with her. When are we going out? Friday." Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, all right. Weird that I guess he got laid and is texting me eight hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. But okay, fine. If you want to do that, I. I'm not going to wear any makeup, and uh, we're going out to the most expensive restaurant I can think of. Mm. So uh, we did that. Um, If my husband was even mildly taken aback by this, he did not indicate it in any way. At the end of the day, I said, so I know you and hooked up like that's cool we can keep this kind of casual and he said what are you talking about um he apparently gave her a hug at the door oh and got into a cab and uh so i think i think she was just trying to trying to shuffle me off there wow that's like some house of cards shit right there but in a way it it was great because i just did get to speak honestly about everything i actually liked on that first date and and was that because for to you you felt there were no stakes there were no stakes yeah because you yeah yeah like like, i guess this guy is hooking up with a bunch of people um he's clearly not really interested in anything did were was that like the first time you were just being yourself on these first dates, or had you honestly probably okay? Because yeah. I was gonna ask like where that shift would have been. That feels yeah. I think it felt um so low stakes to me. So and the dates that you cared, the first dates that you were yeah. excited for, yeah, you amped up things. Oh yeah, I went in. Much. Oh yeah, I went into it uh, trying to be interested in their interests, which is still a good sure. thing to do. But what a shock! It worked out really well when you were just what like being yourself. Oh my god, it worked out so much better. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that my husband and I can just hate the same things. What's what? Oh, what, what do y'all hate? Donald most? Trump. Besides Trump. Donald right? Trump. Okay, pre twenty sixteen. Come on, that's yeah. a little easy. Um, uh, well, okay. One thing that I do love in terms of bad dates is we've been together long enough now that when shit is going down at another table, uh-huh. we can just touch each other's hands and have it be understood that we're both just eavesdropping on them now mm-hmm. because nothing we say to each other about our daily lives will be as interesting as the couple having a first date at the next table. I love just um, overhearing and watching a good or bad then, first date. And then we can just, just grab it. hands when something goes really badly uh-huh. and just, yeah. Just really, once we heard a man on a first date talk about how some good things came out of the Holocaust. Let's hear him out. Let's hear him out. We texted each other back and forth on like, should we, should we try to rescue this woman? Should we like, should we go over and pretend that we know her so she doesn't have to keep sitting? Do people do that? That's a brilliant move. I thought about doing it. It was as close as I've ever come. Wow. That's just, that's not, you know, first date, you don't want to go into something as a a, a troubling nuance (laughs) as that hot take. Yeah. I'll hear you out, but that's more an eighth date type of thing. When I got, I don't know. Wait a long time before you get into how bad was the holocaust it's like well i don't well what is shocking is that for me just be is the kind of in part of what i do for work it'd be it's a topic in uh, sadly in the realm of what i do is uh on first dates and i don't i don't think i bring it up nearly as much as they do but sexual assault comes up a lot on first dates with me and it always throws me for a loop 
and uh, the dates typically go well. I assume Don't, you're against, right? Very against. Cool, you know, good, good like, position. The only yeah. position to have. <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I don't know how or why, whether it's the topic mm-hmm. or it's sharing time. <gasps> I don't know why, but it comes up a lot wow. on I first mean, dates with me. I got laid recently after we watched The Accused together. Wow. And then she was like, you can use this as a testimonial how good you are on a date because you I just fucked you after watching the rape movie. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't want to be proud of this, but like, okay, I mean, fine. there you go. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, you you should have Josh Gondelman on this podcast. Uh, first oh, of all, Josh is such a nice, oh sweetie. Oh, my gosh. Have you, already, have you already had him I've on? I've never had him on. Oh. I'm, I'm t- so I know Josh from stand-up, but it's back when we were – we were both at open mics, but he was just about to not need to do open mics, and I was like 20, uh, just starting. Mm-hmm. But yes, Josh is great. Why, uh, why yeah, would you say he, Josh? He has a uh, great story about one of his first dates with his now wife, Maris, mm-hmm. and going to see Gone Girl. Oh, and um, And fainting when uh, he when can't he w- handle blood. <laughs> oh. So... Um, <laughs> So he went out to the hallway and fainted. Um, Hospitals and, are a great day. And no, Maris uh, fully assumed, like, oh, he just he, – he saw this movie about a woman who was crazy. And he just decided, like, I'm out of here. Like, but I, interesting with Gone Girl, you either – you can see it and think this is about a woman who's crazy or you think it's a feminist icon. crazy. Yeah. And he I was mean, like, no, you go – It can be both. Yeah. <laughs> Some people watch that movie and are, like, two on her side. Yeah, yeah. Look, personally, I believe you've got a Gone Girl like five or six guys after college just to get it out of your system. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you, are, are there – so was there – have you been thinking about in the course of writing, whether it's this uh, We Came First or mm-hmm. it Ended Badly, like were you thinking at all about your past relationships or it? Yeah. I mean these are – Did you find a new about- – per- find a new perspective on any of your older relationships did you ever like maybe think back and go like, ooh, actually that was my bad? I mean, I, I think I was always worried about being the crazy person during a breakup, mm-hmm. and uh, which is, I, I think, something that is a little more put on women than it is men, where mm-hmm. you know if you text too many times, you're going to become somebody's crazy ex-girlfriend, whereas if you're a man to become crazy, you have to break into their house. I would say so- that if the, like, the stuff like the texting too much stuff yeah. – uh, I think guys still get a negative look on it, but we don't always call it crazy. Sometimes we'll call it yeah. creepy or yeah. possessive or yeah. problematic, whatever it is. Um, yes, you didn't enjoy my constant rounds of, hey, just saw this leaf on the ground and I was thinking about you and how much you love forests. <laughs> Here's a picture. Here's a picture of my face. I look pretty today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, notice me. Notice me. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. I definitely did that too much. So uh, that was my bad. Edith Wharton makes me feel better. That yeah. She wrote 300 <laughs> letters. So I, I wasn't the only one who just desperately wanted to maintain contact with people who, frankly, I probably wasn't that interested in right. when we were actually dating. Yeah. Um, I just, I really hate being alone. Aww. I love cooking for people. <laughs> um, uh, what's, I, what's your what's your main dish? Oh, uh, gnocchi. I make uh, like a lovely fried gnocchi with um, basil and garlic and mm. uh, fire roasted tomatoes and like a lovely amount of mozzarella just ripped apart. Sounds like so many Weight Watchers points. I want to avoid it at all costs, but sounds delicious. It's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) So, so you're, you know, this is, you know, relationship advice from 
these women in the past. What's like your favorite piece of advice or is there a piece of advice that you were able to take to heart yourself and maybe implement into your, you know, into your relationship? I mean, I feel like more than advice out of this book, what I found comforting about it was realizing that nothing new is happening now. Uh, Queen Victoria wrote about how much she despise children, which was very unfortunate because she had nine of them. Uh, <laughs> she loved having sex with her husband, hated being pregnant, hated having Hated children, pulling out. She hated like, oh, babies. I want the cream pie. Come on. <laughs> I know there's a risk involved, but oh, I need him. He's uh, just like, I can do it on the stomach, no more kids. But like, no, I must. Nobody would tell her. She tried to find out how to do any means of birth control. And um, one person told her to jump up and down after sex. So she constantly jumped up and down after sex. But that poor woman, uh, nobody told her about pulling out. It's actually nobody how we told her about condoms, which were in mass production by 1850. Um, but yeah, she talked about how she found all infants very, very ugly and disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe she likes some when they get like older like some people are better when their kids can talk and stuff and then i found another letter from her saying i get no special pleasure from the company of any of the older children so okay lady you shouldn't have had nine children i'm sorry that was forced on you so are you anti having children yourself no i am desperate to have children um i i um see babies with glasses in grocery stores and think about stealing them we have so many books i just i just feel like it would be a good fit for us so uh yes i have a terrible terrible baby fever i am dying to have children uh i but i also uh, uh y- you know i i think it is absurd that society tells women that their lives won't be complete unless they have children mm. or just tells women who don't like children that they'll get over it they'll learn really? to like them no you'll end up like queen victoria hating your nine children don't do it and jumping up and down a lot jumping up and down constantly yeah, yeah so all uh, you have to do is put on a condom yeah lucy anderson hicks is one of my favorite a transgender woman in the 1940s mm-hmm. who was uh, this very popular hostess around new orleans um until she was eventually taken to court uh, when people found out that she was transgender and refused to admit that she was anything but a woman uh told them that no doctor in the world would ever be able to convince her that she wasn't a woman that she had lived as a woman for her entire life and planned to continue doing that yeah something people don't realize i mean i don't know all the history of it too much but i know that it, it exists uh, but that you know the concept of transgender people is not new oh it's not new. it's been a around forever intersex people been around forever Mm -hmm. like there's yeah um a lot of when you see the nazis doing book burnings a lot of the books they're burnings are books about transgender people and about gay people and about the history of those people so we have lost a ton of testaments about those people's lives and what their experience was like and uh yeah when people talk about how it's some sort of like new idea that people came up with in the 21st century no, like the reason you don't know about it more is possibly because of Nazis. So that guy on the first day should have been like, oh, man, there's so many things we lost because of the Holocaust. Yeah, man. And then she goes like the people. He's like, oh, yeah, those. <laughs> but like there were some books. We'll never get back. He's like, he's not inaccurate, just a little I mean, not tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I could have worked with him on that. Yeah, it's like yeah. we can rephrase this Just for you. Just a little bit, yeah. That's wild. Also, is this Joan of Arc on the cover? Yes, That's it's Joan of Arc. So then what Arrested the f- for now- cross-dressing. 
I, okay, I was gonna ask like, what, why, why the fuck? Like, what's what's why her, si- what's her situation? Like, what's her uh, sitch? Well, Joan of Arc is uh, very self-partnered, uh-huh. um, or rather, partnered with God. Okay. And one thing that I love about Joan of Arc that I think not many people know: first of all, that she was arrested and burnt because she wouldn't stop cross-dressing, and she said that it was because. The English were so hypersexualized mm. that if she did not dress like a man and wear full armor, she would be raped immediately. Uh, which is the first and only time anybody has ever talked about English people being uh, hypersexual. <laughs> I think they're super horny people. I just they don't think they talk about. It. I think they're more like they're more repressed than we are. Well, um, yeah, I guess that's why there's a like, I, like they're they're super kinky. Direction. They have all sorts of like kink clubs and everything out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like talking to some folks last time I went out to London. I was asking around. I talked to some of like their sex experts, and the big thing was, oh, we have this and that and this, mm-hmm. but no one's talking about it. Oh, well, yeah, like there's they, still there's still like a properness like hiding the sexuality over out there. Yeah, like that. You know, I mean, you remember the. Um, this might have been like four years ago, maybe five, when they passed like a porn law. And they banned like they banned weird porn categories, like what? anything that seemed like violent. Oh, but they what? also but they also banned like face sitting. Oh, that doesn't seem very violent, right? I mean, it's not my thing, but it seems fine, right? Yeah. Uh, and so then, they, like, there was a protest. There was a face sit in outside of oh, Parliament. God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can well, be done with that. saying you're going to ban violent porn seems um, tricky because some people could say that the nature of porn is often violent. It's things that you wouldn't do in real life. Like you don't watch The Fast and the Furious to learn how to drive a car in Correct. real life. Yeah, you're watching extreme situations. Porn's also old, you know, because like ancient Romans had porn. Oh, yeah. You know, or like I remember going to Pompeii and we're going through the bath. It's all penises. Yeah, the bathhouses had their yeah. stuff. Like that's their pornography. People love drawing penises. Yeah, yeah. which I did, which I always thought was funny because then it made me think that if you ever got tired of your porn like in your house <laughs> – you just had to go jerk off in a different dude's house. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. Like, you have to go worry. to the guy who has, like, the Asian's mural. Yeah. And then sometimes you have to go to the guy who's got, like, you know, the big tits mural. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got the guy who's got the one with the two chicks scissoring. And, like, Frank's house is very popular sometimes. Yeah. He's like, no, did you hear someone got a new painting done? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look, even if you look in, like, medieval marginalia, priests are drawing, like, yeah. people fucking dragons. So... <laughs> Wait, where do I find that? Which library? <laughs> um, I I I am very fascinated by illuminated manuscripts because I love doodling, uh-huh. and uh, doodles are perverse in the same for all. I mean, history. that's why I like reading physical books. And I don't switch to e-readers because I like to. I mean, I got a book in here that I've marked the fuck up because mm-hmm. I just like interacting with the text. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I like the way they smell. I know that's yeah. like a very old school opinion, but I like. No, the you get you, 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 the strands rare book oh, room. Don't you oh, love that? Oh, I love that place. Oh, oh I remember I was so telling good. you. I think I was telling you about this. It's one a cool spot. That no one knows about if you need to charge your phone, sit and read in quiet. Yeah. But it's like you walk in and <sighs> Yeah. Um I've had two book parties here and it's just oh uh, it's the best place. Jealous. Yeah. Uh great spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, it's no longer a sex podcast. We're just gonna talk about We're just our gonna love talk for about books. book smells, yeah. 
Yeah, anyone who's like seen my bookshelf on my Instagram story knows like fan of the book oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John Waters has that quote that if you go home with someone and they don't have books, don't fuck them, which I really appreciate. That's yeah. good advice, everybody. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And my my, my current girlfriend has a, a big old bookshelf. I was like, mm, oh, I good love people. that. Oh, good. good. People. Yeah. I am thinking about, and I know I was poking fun. I know this has yeah. nothing to do about sex and dating. <clears throat> oh, I can tie it back to it later. How's okay. that? Um, you're, she's got this one, two, three, like nine, ten shelves of books. It's a massive, massive wall bookshelf, and it's all color coded. Mm-hmm. It's color coordinated. I was like, I, I can't. It's like, how do you know where to get the book? But I am thinking about for decorative purposes. Okay, no. maybe redoing it. Think to about be your colors. favorite book in your head. The first thing that comes yeah, to mind is the color wallflower. of the cover. Green, green cover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's freaky. I almost right. want to test you. Yeah. Um, Low Life by Luke Santi. Ooh, I don't know what color that is. It's like is. gray and black. Okay. But like, I'll know them, um, mm-hmm. but not until after I've read them. And I don't know. Yeah. See if I'm, I like having my books out because of that quote. Not because mm-hmm. of it, but it does play in the quote. I like having the books um, viewable from the bed because I'm like, oh, I want them to see that this guy reads. <gasps> yeah. Oh, the shittiest thing I ever read about Norman Mailer. Uh, was that when he had sex with women, he would get them to leave by keeping a stack of his own books by the bedroom door and telling them, I would be happy to sign a copy for you on your way out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a Billy Presida move. Okay. <laughs> that's. I'm going to make sure I don't do that. That's wild to me. Okay, okay. Um, who's who's your favorite person in We Came First? I mean, Josephine Baker. Just okay. uh, somebody just who a- led an extraordinary life on every possible level. Just an embarrassment of riches. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, she, you know, she fought for civil rights in America. She was dancing topless in France in the 1920s, wearing a banana skirt. Uh, just incredibly sexually liberated at this wonderful time in French history. Right. Then she joined the French Resistance and fought the Nazis as mm. a spy. Then she came back to America to fight for civil rights after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. His widow asked Josephine Baker if she would head the movement. And uh, she considered it, but said that um, she couldn't because she had children and they couldn't watch their mother die right now. Oh, God, that got real. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how much. She adopted a ton of children, all different colors from around the world, Mm. had a rainbow tribe, lived in a castle. Just everybody should really aspire to have Josephine Baker's life. I don't know how much sex is in this book, but I got to imagine you, it seems like you have discovered or or learned about a lot of old-timey sex stuff (laughs) from back in the day. Um, through your research with this. So is there anything that hasn't like made it into, I guess, either the, either of the books that you have just been like mind blown? Um, oh, Wilhelmina's Cherry. What's that? Um, it was a perverse turn of the century uh, treat offered in brothels in New Orleans. Um, and uh, what people would do is uh, you would uh, fill your vagina with basically an ice cream sundae. And um, then men would eat I, it out of I you. I don't know how I feel. There was another one. Uh, Victoria. I feel no. both like so strongly for and so strongly against this. I, I mean, it's probably delicious. I don't know. It's. I thought it was going to be you. Me, you put the ice cream sundae in, and then you fuck like as if it was supposed to be a sensation when you're having sex. No, it's it's, it's an eating, the eating thing. thing. It's okay. an eating thing. Um, the other one that I remember was um a game that again this is a Victorian brothel thing. Um, 
women would lie in the air with their legs spread and uh, men would throw coins at them uh-huh. and let them keep how for many they were able to catch in their vaginas. So fun games. That's a game that existed. What are other crazy things that I learned about from history that we don't really do now? Um, I mean, there there are like countless amounts of them. Uh, People didn't have television. All of the sex is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Figuring out, yeah, a lot of free time. Museum of Sex, like the the, one of their like um, their their staple exhibits is like you know kind of sex and history and just Mm -hmm. uh, all this old stuff. It's got the chastity belt. It's got the old condom. Mm rappers it's got like old mm-hmm. kink equipment mm-hmm. um all so cool because like i think we all just like, like you said before it's like we all think well before nine you know before the sexual revolution in the 60s it was all just missionary and and boring oh, sex. no it but was like not. it was pretty dope from what yeah. I, like the little i've seen and obviously you know you've like read a ton of it it's like it all seemed like it was pretty wild it was uh yeah it was i would say that it's much more wild than it is now so is it ivf or is it uh, we're doing iui oh yeah I, what's iui um IUI is the first one. Um, they uh, give you a shit ton of hormones then okay. some injections that uh, cause you to produce multiple eggs instead of just one egg. Gotcha, gotcha. So you are upping your chances. Well, then um, I pre-congratulate you hey, on your triplets. Thank uh, that you. You're... <laughs> I mean, look. <laughs> isn't that what normally the happens? The main <laughs> upside that I can think of, if, look. It's like, hey, if I, do, if I don't like the first kid, one of the other two probably will be all right. That is what my mother said, <laughs> which was not where I was going with it. But, okay, yeah, sure, we'll pick a favorite child in the womb. Um, no, the one thing that I do love about it is if we have two girls, obviously a lot of problems at first, but by the time they're six, we can dress them up as those girls from The Shining if That's... we have twin girls. <laughs> and it is going to be a beautiful family portrait. Okay. <laughs> I like how you have the Christmas picture planned oh, in advance. Oh, I really planned for this. Yeah, that's wild. if we get two boys, it's just a wash. Like, so, do, but you have to do like injections and such. Yeah. And does it have to like go around? Like, I mean, yeah, there's and, a schedule. And you tell me if this stuff is too intimate. But like, I I don't often talk a lot. I don't think a lot about how to purpose uh, how to medically get pregnant. I always think about how to medically not get, not pregnant. get pregnant. Which is so, yeah, <laughs> what you should be thinking about. Yes. Uh, uh, how does that like incorporate into you don't have to get into nitty gritty details of the sex part, but like how does that play into your sex life in scheduling when and ovulation and 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 do you have to like poke needles before um, and reignite the mood? I mean, what? um, yes, we have to poke needles before, but also my husband and I have sex constantly. Okay, um, I work from home. I'm pretty rested. <laughs> like, Mazel. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, we pretty much have sex every day anyway. So, so there's never like cha- really. It hasn't affected. No, the, okay. it hasn't changed the amount of time we're having sex. I haven't found it. I know for some people it's very stressful to schedule to make sure that you're having. It's seven fifty seven. I'm yeah. ovulating right now. Get my knees up. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, if if it is the day, yeah, we have a lot of sex. Okay. Um. Uh, like if I've got if I've got those two eggs out, we're just having as much sex as possible to up the chances but uh, no like we'd be having sex anyway okay like we ate dinner (laughs) (laughs) okay the only change great yeah (laughs) fantastic well um jennifer this was fantastic i have um i'm gonna ask a sidebar question did you 
Um, did you do any research on, like, say, like, old presidential relationships? Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, you, a lot of them fucked around. So do would would you be down to do a little bonus episode about yes, maybe specific? Forever. Okay, let's yes. do a little of that. Okay. So Patreon people, tomorrow you're going to hear uh, – we're going to get presidential mm-hmm. uh, with, with our sexual history. Uh, but for now, where can people find you, where they can Ooh, get your uh, books? We've right, got yes. four books. Two of them I didn't even mention. One's on fashion, which I think some of y'all – on I've seen you on Instagram. Some of y'all yeah. are really into fashion. Uh <laughs> Um, yes, you can get any one of my four books, uh, especially We Came First, mm-hmm. Relationship Advice from Women Who Have Been There, at your local bookstore or Barnes & Noble or Amazon, which is also fine. Like, put those books to resume of business. Just buy this book. <laughs> and uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Jen Ashley Wright. Fantastic. And that's right, W-R-I-G-H-T? Yep, right. like the Wright Brothers. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you so much for chatting with us. Patreon people tune in tomorrow. And for now, I want to say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to all of this. (laughs) Yay, history. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only time it's been said on the show, but I so agree. I love it. Again, all of my $5 and up members will get access to Jen's bonus episode tomorrow on Patreon. But if you're not ready to, you know, pony up and get access to over 100 bonus episodes behind the paywall, don't worry. Yesterday, Tuesday, I dropped a free bonus episode. Yeah, free. As in no credit card required. You just show up and enjoy listening. I brought back Roxanne from the Oral Sex Auditions. Remember that one from two years ago? Yeah, episode 180 for the newbies here. Uh, If you're not familiar... My sexually frustrated friend Roxanne kept complaining about dudes who don't eat pussy well. So I decided to hold auditions. <laughs> and I invited some strangers from the internet to come on over and eat her box. Uh, well, I invited her back two years later to reminisce on that experience. Uh, so you can go check that out at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. I hope you enjoyed my episode with Jennifer Wright. I hope you'll go get her book or books. I know I will be putting them on my Amazon wish list this Christmas. Uh, let us know what you thought about this week's show. She she dropped her social handles, but you should all know that I'm on Twitter at TheBillyPresita. Uh, and you can make a comment about this episode on my Instagram at BillyIsPresita. More of a Facebook person, or you're still on the Zuckerberg bandwagon, that's okay. We got comment threads available for you on Facebook uh, on the Man Whore Podcast fan page. So don't forget to go over there and give it a like. Uh, we also got Sophia the intern dropping nonstop dope sex positive memes on the fan page. I love getting your emails. It's honestly my most favorite notification uh, next to my girlfriend sending me nudes. So you can send me your uh, comments, your questions, your own booby pictures to manwhorepod at gmail.com. I promise you I read every email every time. And unless it's a really weird email where there's actually nothing to respond to, I will always respond, which many of you seem shocked by. Oh, okay. Next week, everybody, we got a comedian on Madeline Smith. She's Polly. She's funny. She's curvy. And she also has a dating podcast. I hope she doesn't get mad I said curvy. She's probably not listening to this. It's not a bad thing to say. It's just descriptive. I don't know. 
okay, this is getting weird. I'm just, before I say something that's really wrong, um, you know, tune in next week. Until then, you know. <laughs> uh, are you watching the impeachment hearings? That's Lieutenant Colonel Vinman to you, mister. Ha! Stay slutty.